0: hey there i'm james mckinburne
1: and i'm dagobert
0: and you're listening to this indie life this indie life follows the journey of two indie hackers as we navigate the good bad and ugly attempting to turn our indie hacker dreams into reality each week you can tune in to see what progress we've made to achieve those dreams Sometimes it will be good news, other times it won't be going so well, but we promise to be open and honest with you. In this episode, Dango talks about why he had to delay the launch of his course. We both discuss some of the disagreements we've had in the past few weeks, and I think about how I can grow indie bites with new guests. Today, I'm bringing you our first indie life sponsor, and I couldn't be happier to recommend Mentor Cruise. Now, as a solo founder, there are so many areas of business that I'm just not an expert in, which is exactly when I turn to Mentor Cruise. Here, I can set up sessions with mentors to learn more about sales, marketing, or just someone to keep me accountable, which if you know me, I definitely need. Mentor Cruise has been built by a fellow indie hacker, Dom Mon, to solve his own problem, so he knows exactly the challenges you're going through. I think it's worth heading there to find a mentor in an area of your business you think needs some growth. Head to mentalcruise.com and use code life for 20% off an intro session. Link is in the show notes. Let's get into this episode. All right, Dago, back for another episode. So last week, you said you'd have your course
1: launched. How's it gone? No, What's happened? I can, I can hear in your voice some <laughs> vice anyway. Yeah, so I was planning to launch on Tuesday and oh my God, how bad can I be with estimates? I literally felt on Monday at 5 p.m. that I could launch on Tuesday. I felt confident. And there's something I do when I'm going to launch something that I care about is the night before launch, I do an all-nighter. It started because my first big project when I was like 20 and I lived in Moscow, you know, story for another day. But we had a big change to do on the website. And I was still in France working for the website in Russia. And I remember basically thinking I was going to be done at 8 p.m. But I knew the, this change would impact sales. And I really wanted this to increase sales. So I ended up working until 10 a.m. the next day hmm. to launch it for people to buy the next morning. Then I went to sleep and I woke up four hours later and we had made a bunch of sales because of the change. And that was, to me, that was imprinted on me that when I launch something that matters, I need to do an all-nighter and that's how I'm going to succeed. So basically Monday, I was all set up to do my all-nighter. At 5 p.m. I was like, oh, it's all good. I still have like, you know, 22 hours <laughs> before the actual launch the next day. So I'm fine. So, you know, I set up in an office in our place. I started working all night. And then at about 5 a.m. And then I start realizing that I'm not going to make it like but like clearly and I don't know why it took me so long to realize so I went to sleep and I didn't launch on Tuesday then I thought I was going to launch on Wednesday so I did an other all-nighter on the next day I basically slept like slept like three hours a night two weeks in a row and then on Wednesday I wanted to launch on Thursday but because I had a viral tweet I knew I couldn't launch it on Thursday and in the end I decided to launch on Friday and now I'm happy because I had time, and I realized, who gives a fuck if it's three days late, it doesn't change anything. But it was more like disappointing myself. But since I gave my best, you know, I worked all night, and I still couldn't do it. I was like, okay, I gave my best, I don't have to blame myself, and I can just keep doing.
0: What was it that meant
1: you couldn't launch on the Tuesday after doing that all night? -er? Oh, I basically didn't didn't have the landing page. So the course was pretty much done, but I had to also do the landing page. And then on Tuesday, when I started doing the landing page, I finished it. Then I realized, oh shit, I didn't think of the mobile version. And then when you had that viral tweet, why couldn't you launch it the
0: next day? I didn't know this before you said it.
1: Basically, when you have a very viral tweet, Twitter is going to show only this tweet to everyone for the entire duration of the life of this tweet, which is 24 hours. So basically, I tweeted something at 3 p.m. my time on Wednesday that got viral. Because of this, it meant anything I published on Twitter in the next 24 hours, wouldn't get impressions at the beginning. And if you don't get impressions at the beginning, you can never get viral and you can never get a big tweet or like very unlikely. So because my launch is kind of like a big thing, I wanted to go big. No way I could launch, you know, in the next 24 hours. So then I decided to postpone it. But that's actually, that's a good thing because I used the viral tweet to plug kind of like a pre-sale link under it. Got me like about 30 sales. In like, you know, 24 hours with just a very low key link. And people told me they love the landing page. They think it's awesome. They already wanted to buy it, but the landing page completely convinced them. So it was basically a soft launch that gave me a ton of confidence for the real launch. That's now going to be tomorrow. And now it's done. You know, the website is good. I only have like a couple edits to finish and then it's good.
0: Dude, I'm dead excited for it. Your landing page is really good. I can see why people like it. There'll be a link in the show notes to people that want to have a look at that and buy Dago's course. Dago doesn't like to self-promote, but I will promote him for him. Thank you. The thing you said there though, I want to ask you about is you said deadlines are useful, but not absolute, that you can move deadlines. However, when I missed the edit deadline for this episode last week, Dago, you weren't happy.
1: Oh, I hated it. Yeah, I was (laughs) pissed. No, mostly it's not that I was pissed, it's that I was scared mostly. I was scared. Yeah. Because again, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't know if I should say this because it's, it's like if I was saying I don't buy logos. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or like I don't use Twitter, but buy my course, you know, it seems real. But anyway, the truth is, I don't listen to podcasts and I don't know how it is. And I don't know if it's important to be on time. And because unusual in usual on my life, I like to be on time. And like, that's why I was very, you know, scared to m- not meet the deadline initially for my course. But I mean, when when I think the episode actually came out on Monday and not Friday. Monday. And it was very surprising to me that it had a ton of downloads. And my wife, who actually listens to podcasts all day... So she's basically compensating for me <laughs> and she told me, oh yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, like you just have like a pile, a queue of shit yeah. and it, you just go through it and it can be a couple of days late. It doesn't matter.
0: I always tell clients and I tell myself to pick a day and publish on that day. The reasoning you tell them is so, because people build it into their routine yeah. when they're listening know, oh, every Friday, this episode comes out, but actually the real reason is it's for hosts to stay consistent with it. Because once you miss one or two episodes, as i found with Indie Bytes, it's really hard to get back on it. And when people then fall out of listening to your episode or adding it to their queue every week, they're like, oh, well, I'm now, I've now filled that with another show. So that's why it's important to keep it going every week. And if you as a host pick a day, it's going to be easier for you to make that deadline which is why indie Bites is an arbitrary tuesday release but it doesn't really matter if i get it out wednesdays thursdays as long as i get
1: it out every week yeah as long as it's weekly yeah the most important is that yeah i understand that now i it was surprising to me to see that we had a lot of downloads i mean i thought it was good i i assumed it would completely fail in downloads because of like it was late and because i didn't promote it this week but no you know so that was awesome to see good man cool
0: well what, what's your meme this week?
1: Oh yeah, meme of the week is the one from the 21st and it's a meme about Jerry from Tom and Jerry who's crying because he just compared himself to another founder who managed to make 3k in this first month after launch but he only made $20 in three years which is basically my story. And it's very funny because it resonated because over the past month there's this, you know, the kind of like the goat of indie founders, Peter Levels, mm-hmm. who has started launching his... Nice little AI project. And he basically reached 3K recurring monthly revenue in like two weeks. And now he's already like at 5K or 6K in one month or something. And it's very inspiring, but it's also crushing. You know, it's not about that. It's about, it's the state you're in when you you go on Twitter all day, you interact with people, and then you see someone who's so brilliant and destroying you and like completely dominating you. That to me is sometimes, I mean, not just to me, like I think it resonated with a bunch of people, but we have to always remind ourselves to like, okay, this is his journey. He's been on this for like 10 or 15 years. You know, he he's in you know different niche than me. You know, all these things to understand that we are all on a different journey and it's, it's not fair to compare ourselves to each other, basically. We all have our own journey, our own problems, our own path. And it's always better to think of, okay, did I make progress in my life in the past year? You know, and I look back instead of like, look sideways and feel like shit.
0: It is so hard not to compare yourself to others, especially on Twitter. And hopefully this is a nice reminder to people that do your own thing. You're doing a good job. If people are posting screenshots of their MRR going up, if you're feeling a little bit despondent with Peter Levels, He's been doing this for a while and he's got an audience. And I, I I, think about this a lot, right? Do I want to have an audience for myself that follow me and will give me that like initial traction I might need for a project? Not just on Twitter, but audience, email subscribers. Mm-hmm. I was listening to an episode of The Art of Product with Adam Wathan, who did who does Tailwind UI and CSS, but also launched refactoring UI. And they said the reason that was oh, yeah. so successful was because they'd built up this big email audience. And now he says every time he sends out emails, it just prints money. It is literally as simple as that. And I'm like, oh, I don't have that moat of email subscribers that are subscribed to me on what I'm working on that I've seen be so successful for other people. But I don't know what that would look
1: like for me. It's funny because I feel like it's not as dreamy as it sounds. Because for example, <laughs> on Twitter, you know, the algorithm of right now, even Peter Lovell, even if you have 200k followers, if you tweet something boring, you're going to completely bomb. And you can see his Twitter. Sometimes he has tweets with like 20 likes. But I think him is like, he's literally on a different, you know, planet. Like he literally does things that are so interesting and innovative. Like he, he has buzzworthy and viral worthy shit to talk about. So that's yeah. like a completely different game. But about the audience, though, I feel like I'm starting to get that with Twitter. It clearly didn't work that well with logos. So now we're going to move more to SEO and like different kind of channels, even though I'm still going to talk about my startup and still make sales with Twitter. But with the course, it seems like it's going to do that. Like, because I was very surprised, like the small pre-sale link I put up yesterday, we basically only had like 500 visits to the website and we got like 30 sales. So that's huge. Mm-hmm. Because like Logology, that would have been like three sales, so that's like very big difference. But like the wonderful thing is basically I build the audience before building the product. Like Logology, it's a it's a product that existed. Then I built an audience and I talk about Logology. But the audience isn't about Logology. But this audience that I'm building, yeah, they will give a shit about the Twitter course. So like, but it's not easy to do. Like you, it's not just like you have subscribers. It's like you need to build actual content about stuff. You know. So you basically find your niche and build your audience around that because else they're not going to care. Do you
0: subscribe to any newsletters yourself? Like your content diet seems very restricted and intentional. So don't listen to podcasts. Do you read books? Do you have newsletters in your inbox?
1: I stopped. Basically, I'm allergic to content now because I spent all of my early 20s reading, watching, and not doing shit because I was spending my time consuming. And now I feel like I've learned enough shit. I need to actually learn by doing now. So even though I'm, I'm not thinking I'm not going to learn anything new, but I'm like actually learning something new will waste my time because I just need to apply what I already know instead of always looking for new knowledge. So that's basically my thing. And maybe one day I'm going to learn again. But I feel like I have enough knowledge, even though it's like 10 years old knowledge. And now if I just apply that, I'm going to learn way more than if I keep... You know, learning new ideas and shit. I definitely agree with learn by doing. But
0: do you not like read for entertainment or watch TV for...
1: Oh, yeah, I do that. I do that. But that's really to like take the edge off. Like I play video games.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I I was thinking about reading books and my newsletter. I get so many newsletters. I read one of them, which I really like. And I read that for fun. It's called Dense Discovery. And it's a bunch of links and interesting things. And I noticed recently that I've read no books this year, whereas last year I read like 18 and I really enjoyed oh, wow. reading, but I feel my attention span for it has completely gone. And I don't know, I, I, I enjoy reading and it annoys me that whenever I pick up a book, I get bored because so I'm like, oh, this isn't stimulating enough because I'm so used to getting dopamine hits on Twitter or watching YouTube. Yeah. So like I struggle to sit down and, and read but I wonder if I force myself to do it, whether I'd would, I would enjoy it again. Just a thought. We had a disagreement this week. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk about a disagreement, or should we leave it? Yeah. T- t- tell me your thoughts, having reflected on the disagreements we've had, the various ones, and how you feel about this pod going forward and disagreeing with a founder or a partner with a project.
1: Yeah, really. For me, like the disagreements, it was it brought back memories of falling out, you know, with past co-founders and. And what I do when that happens is I instantly assume it's going to fail because I hate to depend on somebody else for my happiness or my goals. I think we do share like an appreciation to do quality work and you do quality work and I do quality work. And that's already like a big thing. And that's why we do this part together. I think that's the main reason is we want to create something cool. I mean, we can both produce quality. We know how to do quality. So it's not the same way exactly. But, you know, if I do something, you're going to trust me to do quality. And if you do something, I'm going to trust you to do quality. So that's the most important thing for me. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm just like a hermit. I don't see anybody but my wife. So, like, when somebody else comes into my life and has demands, I'm completely, you know, it it doesn't work for my my brain. Like, it, I'm not used to this. That's the reason we're indies. Like, we're misfits. We're like, yeah. we don't want to be, you know, playing this game. So having to do compromises, ah, I hate that. <laughs> so... So yeah, I'm happy that we, we have this agreement on quality and I hope we're going to be able to overcome because I don't think we can fight forever, but we can yeah. fight for a few months and eventually either we overcome or we don't. We've just
0: both come into the pod with different expectations of what the podcast looks like. I, in my head, had like a clear idea of what it would be like. It would be an intro, like a topical intro. Then we do quick updates, which would be pretty off the cuff and conversational. Like you're just jumping into a conversation with us that we might regularly have. Because I think that's where you get the most honest, authentic stuff. And we both do it. You follow on with our journeys based on what we're really, truly thinking. Whereas you come from it of the approach which is actually good for quality and prep which is prep out what you're going to think share your thoughts and then have a discussion on it and I feel that it comes across more forced then rather than a more natural conversation and I don't think forced works in podcasts and I feel I have to like fix it in the edit if it comes across too forced or I don't get a good feeling while I'm recording I don't feel I can stray too far from what we've said in our notes because i like going down these little rabbit holes and asking about things Mm. so that's how i feel about the show however i love that you're coming at it with your own angle which is value and quality that we're having this these disagreements and we're just going to try and figure it out and see
1: how it goes with it at least we disagree because we both want quality and to have like you want it to stay spontaneous and you and it's funny because i do too like i think it's because it's new for me but like for example when i'm recording my course i wanted i want both basically i want to have some control of the value and spontaneity Mm. so obviously it's not going to be doable this because it would such a huge work in terms of editing but at the end of the day for my course that's what i did and that's what it took so long is because i basically recorded 32 hours of video of me riffing about everything time and time again so i had every idea spontaneously at least once And then I edit it like crazy so that the course can stay fun. It can stay engaging. And yet I talk about everything. And it's actually more important because it's a course. So I need to talk about, you know, the specific things. I can't just like forget. So for this part, I think I I should let go a bit more of like, I don't need to say everything. And so I still want the talking points because it helps me. But yeah, well, kind of like you, I should do kind of a bit more like you.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, and I equally, I need to relinquish control a little bit because I had the view of what I thought the pop was, we disagree and I struggled to compromise.
1: It's good, like, you know, like maybe, so it's either going to be awesome or it's going to die quickly, so we'll see.
0: Cool, anyway, let me talk about my week. I put a tweet out this week saying that I've sold my final vehicle. In fact, I have sold two vehicles this week. My Mini Cooper, which broke, I scrapped, so I took that out, and then just decided to sell my, my other motorbike. One motorbike got stolen a few months ago, and then I had one motorbike left, which was like my depression lockdown treat to me. And I love that thing. But it was just all these monthly payments I had. And the motorbike was the final thing to go. And I was desperately sad when it went. Well, so I, I'm I'm carless now, and I can't really be carless in Canterbury, where I live. I, ca- I can get by for a bit on cabs and get in the train, but I don't have a great deal of money. I am car sharing with my mum, but she has to go to work. So I don't always have access to it. Yeah, so the course. if I can get some of this work in that I've been trying to find over the past few weeks, especially the, the video work, I'm going to treat myself to a car on subscription, which means it's not a finance deal or like everything's covered. And I just pay a few hundred bucks a month and I'll have a car that won't break down and we'll be all covered and I can drive again. Yeah. So that's Cargate. Uh, what else happened this week? Uh, you know, I went down the slippery slope of not publishing Indie Bites. Yeah. So I, I couldn't sleep without publishing it and so i just got up really early and was like right i'm not leaving my table until i get an episode of indie bites out i have them yeah. recorded i had a wonderful episode with michelle hansen who is author of deploy empathy and she's co-host of the software social podcast founder of geocodio and we had an awesome conversation so i feel like that slippery slope of not publishing i've caught now i've published an episode and i'm now back to weekly so i'm really happy about that
1: that's awesome cuz like i checked and you hadn't published since like early october or something yeah so that's awesome that you're back on it you, do you have the next one
0: so i also this week booked in a bunch of episodes to record next week because i've realized my backlog is getting shorter and shorter i've got like a four episode backlog oh yeah that's not big these are what i would call emergency episodes because they're ones i've recorded over the past year and a sort of I don't know if I'm going to publish or not or they might need an update because people's products projects have changed so he booked in a bunch more Felt really good about it, messaging people, finding new people. And I thought I need to be a bit more ambitious with some of the guests because I've had some of the biggest guests that I've wanted: Cortland Allen, Ben Orenstein from Tupole. And so I've almost been coasting since then, getting people that are maybe a bit under the radar that I'm like, right, I've got a platform, they've got a story, I want to tell it. But I do feel I need a bit more of that ambition to get some bigger guests on. Yes, you can grow. Yeah, you need both. Yeah. Because I get a bit uncomfortable speaking to the really big guests because I'm like, oh, they, they, they've already done a bunch of pods. How am I going to be able to approach it from a different angle to make it interesting for them and also for listeners to get something new out of them? So people on my list for Indie Bytes. Steph Smith, she wrote Doing Content Right from Hustle, now podcast host at a16z adam wadden who i mentioned i've always wanted him on he's been on my list for ages any, any thoughts of big people Pete so peter levels is someone that i've not even ever put on the list because i know he doesn't really do calls oh he does he does uh, once in a while is it worth trying to get peter on do you think
1: literally the only podcast i listened to this year was one with him so yeah i think you should i think you should try
0: okay so i will give you updates on if i can get these bigger guests or my work towards them because if i'm reaching out cold to a big guest has a big audience or has been on loads of pods i want to almost get to know them a little bit or for them to know me a little bit because it becomes much easier if someone knows me or listen to the pod so when i invite them they go yeah sure yeah. love the pod let's do it so spending time engaging with their tweets in fact that's my only plan to be honest
1: that's a good plan there's nothing else to do to be honest like there's no the only thing that differentiates people who are successful is that they do this all the time and they are used to it but yeah you don't have much more to do in marketing than showing up every day putting the word out there and eventually people know you definitely well
0: i will i'll keep you updated um The other thing that has been a theme these last few episodes is this video work, this podcast that once turned into video. Last week was New York. I'd spent some time chatting with him and sort of convinced him that this is the right thing to do and he was excited about it. This week, Dago, I have been instructed to buy the equipment. I have an outstanding invoice until... for 24 episodes audio only i can then pro rata that to account for the video stuff if they agree to do it so the theory is dago i've now got the audio and video equipment dead exciting to just buy a load of video kit that i wouldn't necessarily be able to afford we're gonna do some episodes based on
1: that outstanding invoice that's exciting let's hope they, they go for video
0: yeah, I, I, you know, I wasn't excited about it at the start, like because I know video is a lot more work. But since we've been having more conversation about it, I'm excited to get back behind a camera again and do video production because I haven't done it in so long. And the client is giving me full trust, full control. He's like, nice. I will just show up, James, and do the recording. and You can do the rest. I'm going to give you whatever money you need for the equipment, and I trust you to make a a great quality show so i feel excited to be able to make videos again
1: wow yeah that sounds awesome like and video is exciting because i you know i started doing it and it's very cool like when you can create something that looks good that sounds good now you have the money to buy awesome equipment so you can do super high tier high quality videos yeah it must be exciting to create quality content and making money that's awesome
0: Cool, man. All right. Yeah, that's all from me then. Excited to see how the launch actually goes and catching up on that next week. I will speak to you next week, my dude. Good luck. Yeah,
1: you too. Have a good
0: week. Thank you for listening to another episode of This Indie Life. A quick thank you again to this episode sponsor, Mentor Cruise. If you want to continue the discussion or let you know your thoughts on anything else discussed in this episode, you can do so on Twitter. We're at This Indie Life. I'm particularly interested to hear if you've got any stories of founder disagreements that we might even talk about in the next episode. Links to everything discussed is in the show notes. That's all from me. Stay indie. James out.